Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. Uh, well, it is an honor and a joy uh, to be with you today. Um, if you have your copy of God's Word, if you please turn to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2. And as you turn there, I do want to send greetings from the saints at Park Baptist Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina as well as the saints, the brothers and sisters all over the world uh, within the Pillar Network. Uh, We are from coast to coast and in uh, growing nations across uh, the world. Uh, The Pillar Network is a group of like-minded, it's a family of churches of um, uh, a great commission and international Baptist churches who are theologically aligned so that we can be missionally uh, driven. And we pray that you would uh, be part of a local body here uh, in uh, this community and that you would give your life to the cause of Christ and his church. Uh, Well, we are going to uh, dive into God's word today. I pray that you'd be encouraged uh, and um, challenged as we open and study uh, God's precious uh, word. As we begin, let's uh, turn to the Lord first in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this moment, this time where your word is being taught Uh, Father, I ask now that you would hide me behind your cross. I pray that as I announce the the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would preach through me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I pray, God, that the word that is sown would reap a harvest, uh, that it would produce 30 to 60 to 100-fold what is sown. And God, we pray that you would speak uniquely and specifically to each one of the men and women who are gathered here today. We pray, God, that you would make much of yourself Uh, We pray that we would be uh, eager servants, eager children, uh, to hear a word from our Heavenly Father. So God, I pray that the words that I say are are both for our good and ultimately for your glory's sake. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, On November 7, 1941, uh, the Japanese led a surprise attack on Pearl Harbor. Uh, The attack was catastrophic, killing 2,403 military personnel along with 19 naval ships, including eight battleships. Even though the losses were catastrophic, the Japanese Admiral Yamamoto, who planned the attack, reportedly wrote in his diary after their great victory, not celebrating it, but a word of warning on the fear of America's response. He allegedly wrote, I fear all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant, and fill him with a terrible resolve. On November 8th, the next day, 1941, the U.S. military received a record of men volunteering for military service. Thousands upon thousands of fathers and mothers sent their sons to war, to fight, because the enemy was so evil. The need was so great, and the cause was so worthy. The sleeping giant woke up, and the American people were filled with a terrible resolve to serve and to sacrifice for their nation. Brothers and sisters, today our enemy is no less evil, the need is no less great, and the cause is no less worthy. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the forces of evil in the heavenly places. What would it take to awake the sleeping giant of the evangelical church? 
for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ among the nations. I've spoken to professors at this school, uh, administrators, and one thing that I'm, I'm told is that there are more and more people coming to this school who want to serve in ministry but may not have a desire to, to serve as a, as a lead preaching pastor. I was talking to a pastor in, in Scotland yesterday, and he said the problem that we have in Scotland is much like the problem that we have here, is that we have pulpits and opportunities open, but we don't have the men who are willing and ready and able to fill them. So what we need to do first and foremost is we need to pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to send labors into his harvest field. I believe one of the keys is for pastors and elders to recover their fatherly responsibility to raise up sons and daughters for the nations. The impact of the Apostle Paul's ministry is, is not only seen in, the, in his beautiful words in the New Testament, but in the lives of the men and women he poured into and sent for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. So our text today, we, we see Paul writing to the church of Philippi of one of his sons in the faith that he desired to send to them. So Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Now, although this passage is not directly related to church planting and revitalization, I, I believe that the principles in this passage are, are foundational if we are going to impact the, the lostness in our cities. I'm praying this morning that we would see the great need and the worthy cause to send our sons and daughters to the nation, to the nations, to rescue those who are far from God and to strengthen those who are faithful in Christ. We know our enemy is a roaring lion, and we must be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. I pray we as pastors would be fathers to raise up sons to send them to serve God's flock. There's Three ways I want to see this in our text this morning. The first is we want to send our sons to strengthen partnerships. Sending our sons to strengthen partnerships. Now, Paul begins his letter to the Philippians, remembering them in prayer because of their support. So if you flip back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, we'll be a lot in Philippians, so keep your Bibles open. Uh, Paul writes this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Notice that Paul's prayer for the Philippians was done with joy. He loved this church because of their partnership in, in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, I've had to raise financial support several times in my life, and when people invest in you with their own financial means, there is a, 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 an affection that grows with one another. See, but Paul didn't just, the, the Philippian church didn't just support Paul, they supported him when no one else did. Just flip to the end of this epistle in, in Philippians chapter 4, 
beginning in verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I receive full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a, acceptable, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To God our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. No church entered into partnership with me except you only. It was not a one-time partnership, but it was an ongoing partnership. And this was a, a mutual relationship. This is exactly why Paul wanted to send one of his sons in the faith, Timothy, to this church. Look at verse 19, says again, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. See, Paul did not want just support from the Philippians. He wanted to have his heart cheered when he heard what God is doing among the church at Philippi. This is a picture of true gospel partnership. All good gospel partnership is birthed from a strong mutual affection and love for one another. It is relational at its core. This is why Paul wrote to, to Romans, to, to Rome, uh, to, to Rome, Romans chapter 1, 11 and 12. For as I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. This is one of the reasons why we, even as a, as a network, are, are intentionally call ourselves a family of churches. Now, we don't want those to be mere words, but we want that to be a reflection of our, of our deep commitment and love for one another. Uh, even as we pray this morning for the people of, in Kerala and Tamil, this past Sunday night, a, a brother preached from Kerala in our church, a, a church that we helped to plant this past year with the Pillar Network. And that, and that brother is not just someone that we support, but he is a dear friend. When he was walking through the, the valley of deep darkness over these past several months, I wanted to link arms alongside him. And when I'm walking through the valley of, of deep darkness, he wants to link his arms with me because we are in this together for the sake of Christ. Are you seeking to serve partners or to use them? Are you seeking to serve people or to use them? We want our relationships, our gospel partnerships to be mutually beneficial to one another. Next, we, we see we want to send our sons to serve others, sending our sons to serve others. Now, Paul wanted the Philippians to thrive in the Lord Jesus, so he sent his absolute best to them. Look at verse chapter 2, 20 and 21. Paul says of Timothy, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. See, Paul hopes to send Timothy, his child in the faith, for I have no one else who is like-souled, the text says. Timothy is, is of like mind of Paul. Therefore, Paul is confident that Timothy will carry out the deepest concerns of his heart. Timothy will be genuinely, honestly, authentically, and truly concerned for the sheep at Philippi. See, Paul was not going to send just anyone to care for the Philippians. He wanted to send one 
who he dearly and deeply loved, who had concerns of Jesus Christ. Now, we don't exactly know who Paul was referring to in verse 21. It comes, a, comes into a sharp, a sharp break there. We don't know the all who seek their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. It is probably not those who are with him in Rome. We see he speaks well of them at the end of, the, of this epistle. The, the brothers who are with me greet you. Now, we cannot be certain who he had in mind when the Holy Spirit inspired him to write this letter, but we can be certain that he had some people in mind. Remember, he had already addressed people who were self-seeking in this letter. Jump back to chapter 1, verses 15 and following. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice." And then just a few verses later in chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, Paul writes again, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So in the first century, there were people in the church in Philippi and probably in the church at large who were thinking of themselves first. Now, Paul may even have been thinking about maybe a specific conflict in Philippi that he probably have learned from Epaphroditus when he brought the gift to him. Flip over to chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Paul writes, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now, we don't know what their conflict was, but it seems significant enough that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to take Holy Scripture to address it. Brothers and sisters, can I just tell you how encouraged I was when I walked in this place uh, and I saw so many godly women here ready to learn and study of the things of, of God. You notice what it says here, even in this text, do not miss it. It says that these women served as co-laborers of the gospel with me. There is no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. How encouraging is, is Paul wanting these women to be of like mind for the sake of the church at Philippi. Friends, Paul sent his son, Timothy, one who was like sold with him to the church at Philippi so that they would live out their faith in a manner worthy of the gospel. Here, how he exhorts how, how their unity, the unity of both Udaya and Syntyche, and the unity of the church at large is a reflection of the, of the work of the gospel in their own heart. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 and following. Paul writes, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Not frightened anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign of, to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here I still have. See, Paul is concerned with their corporate witness. Now, the church cannot be arguing and complaining with one another they, as they hold out the word of life. They cannot be seeking their own interest. 
I'm not seeking my own interest. I'm using the handheld mic for you. Uh, friends, there are so many evangelical Christians, and there's so many churches whose primary concern is their own interest. There is so much selfish ambition in the church. I see it all over Facebook on pastors' pages. I see it across our denomination. I see it as pastors fight to, to explain how you should come to my church because my church is better than that church. Beloved, we should be kingdom-minded, and we should labor for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, see, our interests are Christ's interest, and Christ's interests are the good of his sheep. Are you like sold with Paul? Are you like sold with Timothy? For Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, shares what his, his life's aim is about, what is it to be like sold with Paul? Well, he tells us in Philippians 1.21, for to me, to live is Christ and to, to die is gain. Paul wants Jesus Christ to get all the glory. And he wants the Philippian church to be laboring side by side in the gospel because that is exactly what churches are called to do. We are not laboring side by side to boast that we are better than other churches or that we are a better network than other networks. No, we are laboring side by side for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are self-seeking, those who after vain ambition are out of step with the gospel. For Paul writes that we should have this mind among ourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the very form of a servant, and being found in human likeness, he emptied himself. Taking the form, being found in a human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the death, point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and bestowed on him the name above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the one exalted. His name is the name above every name. It is at the name of Jesus that every knee shall bow. Jesus is the name that is confessed as Lord. So brothers and sisters, do not seek your own interest. Seek the interest of Jesus Christ. This is why Paul sent Timothy, because he wanted the Philippians to be of like soul with him. He wanted them to be able to say, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Too much of our church in America smells of vainglory and selfish ambition. It is not the mind of Christ. Jesus and Jesus alone deserves the praise. Friend, maybe you're here and you have never lived for the interest of Jesus Christ, but maybe you've only lived for yourself. The Bible says that is the plight of all of us. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. We have all turned our own way. We have sought our own interest. Selfishness is a sign in our, in our heart that our hearts are sick and that need to be changed. Jesus Christ left heaven not only to serve as a model for, for those who seek their own interests, but he came to save us from our selfishness, our unrighteousness, our pursuit of vain glory. Jesus lived a perfect life, and 
He always lived obedient to the will of the Father. And as we already read, he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, to pay for the sins of all who would turn to him in faith. Friends, the the greatest news is Jesus did not stay in the grave, but he was raised from the dead. His resurrection is proof that all who bow their hearts to Jesus now will be saved from every single one of their sins. God has made a way for sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So do not live for selfish ambition, but repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He will forgive you of your sins, and he will give you something truly to worth, worth living for. And there may be others of you here who know Jesus, who have made a profession of faith, but you know that you're not living as you ought. Some of you may have a secret sin, which has become a life-dominating struggle. Friend, repent. Jesus is a worthy Savior. Do not live for the pleasures of the flesh. For let me warn you, as Paul did to the church at Corinth, those who live according to the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. Repent. Turn back to Jesus Christ. Well, lastly, what we see here is really what I've been trying to say the whole time. We want to send our sons to serve the gospel. Send our sons to serve the gospel. If the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be kingdom-minded, if we are going to labor side by side for the faith in the gospel, uh, then pastors and leaders, we must raise sons and daughters to send them to the nations. Paul writes of Timothy, but you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with his father, he has served with me in the gospel. The Philippians know Timothy. Timothy was with Paul and Silas when the church began at, in Philippi in Acts 16. Uh, Timothy was there when he saw Paul and Silas beaten for the faith. He may have even taken blows himself. And Timothy did not leave their side. A few months before, Paul and Barnabas had an argument about John Mark. Mark had left Paul and Barnabas during their first missionary journey. And at that time, by God's grace, things changed later on, but at that time, Mark had not proven himself worthy. But Timothy was tested with intense persecution, and he kept his hand to the gospel plow. And Paul tells us of his proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Timothy was there in Thessalonica when Paul, like a father with his children, exhorted each of the Thessalonians and encouraged and charged them to walk in a manner worthy of the calling they have received by God. Friends, we need more Timothys to be humble and willing to learn alongside fathers in the faith. We need more Timothys who recognize their need for mentors who, who are quick to listen and slow to speak. We need more Timothys to prove their worth of serving as a son with a father. And we need more Pauls. We need more Pauls to be humble and willing to, to invest their lives in young men and women. We need more Pauls who recognize their need to share their lives with others so that the gospel can, can live beyond their lifetime. We need more Pauls who, who are willing to say, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, the Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary seeks to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great 
Commission. I believe that one of the reasons that God has allowed this mission to become a reality, and because of God's kindness, He has allowed our president, Danny Aiken, to lead this institution, not only as a scholar, but as a, as a father. Over the last several years, Dr. Aiken, I want to say to you as, as a graduate, I have appreciated your ministry more and more and how you have been one of the fathers of the Southern Baptist Convention, helping to equip and raise sons and daughters to serve the church. And I believe that you will be remembered by, as a great scholar. But I'm, I'm thankful that I think you'll even be remembered even more as a great father. I've seen that in your sons, and I've seen that in many other sons of the faith throughout the world. I and many other graduates are very thankful for that. This past week, we had our Pillar Unite conference, and I had great opportunities just to, to talk with several of our pastors uh, who have been mentored by the, the founders of our network, Dwayne, Dr. Dwayne Milioni and, and Bill uh, Curtis, and how they would speak of them as fathers in the faith. And you could see the joy in the relationship that they had with them. I believe this is one of the reasons why God has shown favor to bless our network in this season, because we desire for our pastors to be shepherded by godly men, and we want our pastors to shepherd and raise up sons and daughters to equip, plant, and revitalize churches throughout the world. We want to be a family of churches who live for Christ together where God gets all the glory. If we're going to continue to fulfill the Great Commission through the ministry of this seminary and the ministry of the Pillar Network, uh, we're going to need fathers to raise sons and daughters in the faith who are like sold with us, caring not for their own interests, but the interest of Jesus Christ. So let me just give you a, brief, a few brief exhortations as we close. If we're going to raise sons, we must first, number one, live for Jesus Christ personally. Notice Paul said, like a father with a son, he has served with me in the gospel. We cannot train another in the gospel if we are not in the gospel ourselves. Brothers, you need to love Jesus Christ with all your mind, soul, heart, and strength. You need to give your life to him. Do not speak of Christ only from the platform and not live with Christ in private. Even in his letter, this letter to the Philippians in, in chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellence, any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Then he says, Whatever you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Learn, heard, and seen in me. Paul invited people to watch his life and to imitate his faith. It is the calling of all pastors to teach their people by example. He says almost the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 15 and following. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Number two, live with your sons purposefully. We have to be intentional to invest our time and energy in our sons to train them up to be sent, bring them close to you. See, Paul was constantly teaching and instructing those who were close to him. 
2 Timothy 2, 1 through 3, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and you have, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. See, Timothy was with Paul as he taught the gospel to countless people. He invited Timothy to walk close with him. And Paul was not only doing what the Lord Jesus, and Paul was only doing what the Lord Jesus Christ was, was, did in his ministry. Jesus invited the apostles to walk closely with him. He, he taught them purposely on how to suffer well for God's glory. Number three, live for others passionately. Live for others passionately. You know, one of the greatest things that Timothy gave Paul was his love for others and for those who are lost and far from God. Paul lived for others. So Philippians chapter 1, after that great verse, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, he says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to part and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary in your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for the progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you might have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And in Philippians 2, 17 and 18, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Timothy got a front row seat watching Paul lay down his life for others. The life of the Christian should be poured out for others. Well, lastly, we do all these things. We, we, we want to live with Jesus Christ personally, and we want to, to, to share Jesus Christ passionately so that others will live with Christ permanently, forever. There is an end goal for our lives. We are on mission. We want to see people rescued from the domain of darkness and and transferred into the kingdom of the beloved son where there is redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Uh, We want to, to follow the words of our Lord Jesus who said, I have other sheep that are not in this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice so that there will be one flock, one shepherd. See, we want to plant and revitalize churches because we believe the local church is God's primary means to fulfill the great commission. And we want people to be with us and with God forever. We want to plant and to revitalize churches because we want people from every tribe and language and people to gather around the throne and shout, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Jesus is worthy. Beloved, I pray God wakes up the sleeping giant of the evangelical church and fills her with a terrible resolve to fulfill the Great Commission. We need to raise our sons and daughters to be like souls to have the interest of Jesus Christ. For remember, at the heart of the universe is a father who sent his son to seek and to save that which was lost. And if that 
is the heart of God. I pray it will be the heart of his people also. Father, we thank you for the lamb who was slain. We pray, God, that you would awaken the evangelical church to raise sons and daughters, that they may be sent to the nations so that those who are far from Christ would bow their knee in repentance and faith and be able to spend eternity around the throne saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain, who deserves glory and honor and power and wisdom and might forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.edu.